The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Good evening and welcome to Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host, coming to you from the BNN Live studios in Eggleston Square. And tonight, being simulcast on our sister radio station, WBCA 102.9 FM. Uh, tonight, we continue our coverage of election 2023. Uh, we're in the dog days of summer, but for candidates in four of the nine city council districts, uh, these are, this is crunch time. Uh, last chance, the last two, three weeks to uh, identify your voters and more importantly, get them to the polls. September 12th is the preliminary election. And tonight we'll have candidates from District 3, where we've had several uh, previously, and also tonight start previewing the uh, preliminary race in District 5. That's Hyde Park, Roslindale, and part of Mattapan. There's also uh, preliminary elections in District 7, uh, Rox dominated by Roxbury, and also District 6. That's West Roxbury and Jamaica Plain. Tonight, you'll meet Rosalind Warnham. She's a candidate, a community activist, a nonprofit leader who's running in District 3. That's mostly uh, Dorchester, a, a little piece of uh, the South End, all the way up to uh, running from uh, Lower Mills all the way up to Interstate 93. Uh, also tonight, Jean-Claude Senan joins us. He is uh, running, again, he ran before for in the District 5 race. He's running against incumbent Ricardo Arroyo, and tonight we'll talk with him as well. All that and more tonight on Talk in the Neighborhoods. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
was explosive last Saturday in Dorchester's Florian Hall. Music heads dressed to impress had an evening with Skippy White, a musical tribute to a living legend. And they weren't shy to hit the dance floor when the rhythms called out to them. It was easy to see why with the talented lineup of singers spanning from gospel, soul, to rhythm and blues, handpicked by the Just Tommet man himself. Delivering Skippy White's flowers through song, performers showed their love, each of them having a special connection to the music connoisseur. Who knows Skippy White as long as I have? I've known Skippy White since I was seven years old. record stop, shop at the uh, corner of Washington Street, Northampton, back when the orange line was up in the air. So we go back a long time, and he's always been there for me when I needed some gospel music or rhythm and blues, and uh, even some jazz. But he's always been good to me over the years, so it's an honor to be here tonight. For 63 years, Skippy White shared black music, first on wild AM radio waves, followed by his iconic record stores throughout the city. Anyone who has crossed paths with Skippy is grateful for his dedication. Well, one thing that set me apart at the record store level from other stores is that when the door opened and the customer walked in, I greeted them, shook their hand, made them feel welcome, because they were part of the family then. It wasn't just that you were a customer and I wasn't looking to sell you something. It was that you were another friend. It's, it's, the music is medicine, and for him to be the, the flag waver for black music here in Boston and to, to make sure that everybody got it in the community, is that that's, that's what makes everybody want to be here to, to support and show love to him because um, that music has kept us alive through, through all of the craziness that we've gone through as a people, as a country. Um, the, the one constant is the, is the healing power of the music. And so I'm, I'm really, really grateful to be a part of that. For a man who has brought joy to so many for so long, what can we say? Skippy, I just want to thank him for his history of, of loving this music first and deciding that he wanted to actually uh, let the world hear this music through his radio show and through his record stores selling the music. He helped to, to push this music out to the world. shine brighter than ever. I think the world of him. He's a great guy. Meet me on the dance floor.
Chinatown was the place to be on Sunday at the August Moon Festival, an annual Chinese holiday that celebrates joy, health, and the upcoming fall season. Each year, the Chinese Consolidated Benevolent Association of New England organizes a full day of events to commemorate the holiday. August Moon is a very important festival in China. So um, today is the event happened in Chinatown. So before this, uh, festival, it means a family getting together. Uh, I hope many many people from different culture can touch and understand the culture of this uh, uh, festival. Attendees enjoyed a variety of Asian folk dance, lion dancing, Chinese opera, and dozens of vendors offering traditional Chinese food, gifts, and souvenirs. I think it's so important to be able to showcase other sort of the unique nature of all of the different cultures because I think every culture has something amazing to offer um, and I think the more people are exposed to the differences um, the more one can appreciate uh, humanity. The honoring of August Moon is not just about the celebration of Chinese culture but respect for all cultures. The importance of having an event like the August Moon Festival or any of the other ethnic uh, festivals or celebrations is so important because it shows the fabric of this country. And the fabric of this country is multifaceted. And so this is a great day with people down here in Chinatown showing us their lifestyle. And that diversity is something that I am proud of, they are proud of, and it just makes us stronger as a nation. When people know each other and understand each other, they kind of can, then they can be, I think they can be uh, more friendly to each other because they understand each other once you know their background. The festival allowed Bostonians to experience Chinese traditions and appreciate the different ways we celebrate the beginning of fall. It is so important to have festivals like this. I think it is just an opportunity to really understand, you know, people better. I think we're in the climate that we're in in 2023. There's just a lot we can learn from our differences and, like, you know, the things that make us the same as well. Today we're going to see uh, the skills that nursing students would practice in the skills lab, and then we're going to go to the simulation lab and look at the mannequins. Last Wednesday, local high school students got some real medical training as part of Roxbury Community College's summer STEM program. For five weeks, from July through August, a cohort of 30 students joined RCC support staff and professors as they dove into various scientific fields. There's robotics, drones, 3D printing, all of those things aren't in a normal high school. Those are very expensive and the fact that we get to be a part of this for free and even get paid on top of it. If we learn something new here and we genuinely enjoy it and genuinely feel a passion for it, we can take that, what we learned, and lead it into college. The program is paid, so students don't need to choose between passion and compensation. Instead, they're able to focus on learning and fun. Each week, they attend workshops and visit educational institutions like New England Aquarium and the Museum of Science. A program like this is really good for all these teenagers to have access to. They get to take a range of different science courses with biology, physics, robotics, range of stuff to kind of get exposure to things, try them out, uh, often 
taking classes with professors at the community college, doing labs, doing activities. I'm having a good mix of stuff that's fun and also more serious lessons and labs um, to help get an idea of what they might want to do in the future if they go to college. Students trained with Harvard Medical School and Massachusetts General Hospital nurse and clinical instructor Carrie O'Regan. Working with real medical equipment and training dummies, students learned about vital signs and how they're measured in a hands-on simulation lab. They learned how to use blood pressure monitors, stethoscopes, and EKG machines, all tools that working health professionals utilize every day. STEM is important for everyone. The fact that these students can get it as young as they did is amazing. You know, I feel like adults would love to get into STEM programs, but the fact that teenagers um, can get into STEM and learning about how sciences will help direct the rest of their life, even if they just learn a little bit now and don't go into STEM, they'll be familiar with it. Maybe they'll talk about it. Maybe they'll talk to their fellow students about it. It gets everyone interested. A collaboration with the City of Boston and the Nubian Square Life Science Training Center, RCC's STEM program seeks to make life science jobs more accessible in a city known for scientific innovation and higher education. RCC is sparking their interest in STEM careers, which they may have never envisioned for themselves, but can be leaders in. The Roxbury community is historically underserved. The fact that these students live in the community, will come back and work in the community, serve the community, helps everyone in the community. So they help their siblings, their grandparents, their parents, the entire Roxbury community. Look right here, everybody. Look right here. On Wednesday, Mayor Michelle Wu welcomed the brand new Walnut Park Playground in Roxbury, which will provide a safe and exciting meeting place for young people throughout the neighborhood. We want to make sure that as the summers get hotter, as kids need spaces to play, that we're giving them the very best and um, the installation of all the new features, the water features, shade, and making sure people can use this even on hot, hot days as, as we're experiencing is really, really important. The park's renovation feeds the need for quality spaces for children to play, run, and have fun without exposure to elements that are not suitable for them. So it's great that this new park is here. The kids have a clean park, no needles, no, no alcohol bottles, so that they can have fun and socialize and enjoy each other's company and get to pray freely and not worry about anything negative. Neighborhood parks provide more than a place to play. They offer community spaces where young people can interact with each other and engage with their surroundings. Playgrounds of this type are very important. They're safe, they're colorful, they're attractive. And it gives kids an opportunity to get out, enjoy themselves, get to know each other, learn each other, especially their neighbors. It's important that you know who your neighbors are and what better way could you do that by learning and finding your friends in the playground. When kids are out of school for the summer, they don't have those same connections that they have every day. So being able to get outside and have a place where they feel safe, where they can meet up with friends, colleagues, other adults, and see people and gather, and have an experience with all this free equipment outside that they can play with and enjoy in the park, it's really important that we keep them clean and keep them welcomed for everyone to come together. And the new park already has rave reviews. I like this park because um, it's really fun to play with, um, to, to be at after school, and yeah, I like it. Yeah.
from Roxbury, this is Faith Mapadon for BNN News. Boston was the intersection of black joy and culture this weekend as thousands attended the 2023 NAACP convention in Boston, marking 41 years since its last appearance in the city in 1982. This is so exciting. I know a lot of work is going into making this happen. And what I'm most excited about is that there's just so much melanin in Boston this weekend. People love to say, are there black folks in Boston? And I think this is an opportunity for us to really show off the incredible culture that exists here in the city. The convention offered The Hub, a public space for all featuring a block party hosted by DJ Jazzy Jeff, vendors, games, and a series of panel discussions that spoke to the central theme of the event, thriving together. I think there's so much about uh, the word together that, that really captures the spirit of this cause. You know, these issues are often described as fights and battles, but the truth is, um, it's in everyone's interest that we have basic fairness and inclusion and connection in our city. It makes it better for everybody. Simply work together. Just work together, love each other, care about each other, like it, we used to do back in the day where, you know, our neighbors used to look out, out for each other. We, we need to do that same thing. Just, just simply work together. We've been brainwashed not to work with each other. All right? So we all know that. So the NAACP is simply saying, Let's get back together, let's thrive together, to work together, to move forward. Black-owned businesses, POC artists, and community advocates took over the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center, creating a space for black folks and allies to cultivate unified communities and overcome challenges together. It often feels like we're alone in the fight for justice and the fight for anti-racism, but moments like these where we get to come together as a community is a reminder that we're not alone and we're all putting forward that work to plot that piece of land to make sure that we build this beautiful garden to make our communities better. We all have these unique challenges, but we find a way to overcome. And if you look at people of color and the story that we have in this country and our ability to thrive and overcome despite the fact that there's barriers in our way almost at every turn and we still keep coming and we still keep thriving and persisting, it's something to be applauded. Residents and visitors reflected on strides made in black civil rights throughout Boston's history while addressing ongoing struggles for equity within Boston and beyond. I think there's just so much beautiful history that Boston has to offer, especially when it comes to blackness. We have the legacy of Mel King, we have the legacy of Martin and Coretta meeting here, the creation of the Juneteenth flag. There's just so much that we have to offer when it comes to black culture. And I hope that this reinvention of the city and really putting that on a platform can be what this moment really defines for us. There's an all-out assault on uh, people of color and cultural uh, issues in this country. If you look at what's happening in Florida and in the federal government, and so we, we have to thrive together. We have to collaborate. We have to use the talents that we have as people to really elevate our, our voices and our platform. So seeing this together in this type of venue with people coming to support and meet and interact is awesome. It's great. It's needed. Vice President Kamala Harris was a highlight of Saturday's NAACP public mass meeting praising the organization for the difference it made in the midterms and presidential election. We had a record voter turnout for African Americans in 2020. We had a record turnout of young voters in 2020, thanks to the work of everyone here. The NAACP 
by some calculations, turned out hundreds of thousands of votes alone just based on your organizing and activism. The powerful speaking program and activities from the weekend energized the spirits of all who attended, joining NAACP's fight for racial justice and equity nationwide. All right, we're back with Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host. Tonight, more of election 2023 coverage. Of course, the preliminary election coming up September 12th. Uh, there is... Uh, uh, races in four of the districts, no at large, but tonight uh, another of the candidates running in District 3. That's uh, primarily Dorchester, a little piece of the South End, and I'm pleased to have joining me uh, community activist and uh, nonprofit leader Rosalind Warnham from uh, Dorchester. Nice to have you here. Thanks so Thank much for so coming. Thanks so much for having yep. me. Appreciate it. Welcome, welcome. Well, uh, we've got a few minutes here, and I want to give you a chance to. Uh, uh, what made you decide to get into the race now? Is this your first time running for, yes, for office? Yes, uh, how are you enjoying it? And, it's work. Uh, huh? <laughs> it's it's work. A well, we said at the top of the show, uh, this is the dog days of summer, but uh, it's crunch time for yes, you and the other candidates, or seven candidates in all running in District 3. What made you decide to get into the race? Well, I've always been um, community, yeah. into community very diverse in community, community activism and um, problem solver. And from how the city is looking, there's a lot of things going on yeah. that are concerning to me. Um, I just feel that people, their voice are not being heard. Various issues that we are facing in our communities from gun violence, from the homelessness that you see on mass and cast, um, you know, mental health is major in our families and in our communities. So with that being said, it just took me to another level because it's personal to me. I've been almost homeless, but my mom has been homeless. Um, my kids, thank God, were, you know, they were, they all have graduated from great schools, Boston Latin Academy, Boston Latin School, um, Arlington High, and went on to college and one of them received a four-year scholarship in psychology. But um, other than that, I see a change in education. The education is not where it used to be. When I was a child, or even when my children were going, this my older children, because I have a younger one. But when I say that is, the curriculum has changed. The style of teaching is definitely different. The teachers are much younger, and the students need a whole lot more um, structure, and the structure is not in the school. Like Why is that, do you think? I believe that a lot of the teachers are younger today, and they don't have children, so they're there. Some are caring, not saying all of them, but they don't have the real experience. And then there's a lot of cultural differences in the schools um, today. Such as? Well, I mean, in a community of uh, Afro-American, more Afro-American kids, a Latino teacher cannot really come across the way that maybe an Afro-American teacher could, or an older seasoned teacher, if you know what I'm saying, back in the day. I had teachers that were old enough to be my grandmother back then, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, now it's like the kids are 15 and 16, and the teachers are 23, just getting out of school. And that's why they don't have the level of respect 
and the teachers, some of them may be af mm -hmm. afraid of them or trying to be their friend instead of mm -hmm. being their teacher. Well, if you were uh, fortunate enough to be elected, and I know you're working hard at that, mm -hmm. what would you do? What, and what can a district counselor do in that regard? So with education, um, I find that more resources, I know there was an ESSER, uh, ESSER um, um, funding for, to for the budget to, for the schooling for mental health therapy, you know, social workers in the school. Well, that's getting to, ready to run out if they already have it. Let's see what we're going to do. Get that back in, up and running. Make sure we can have that in the budget for these kids in the schools, and that would probably be a plus. But we definitely need more social workers in the school, more, you know, um, therapists in the schools, and more connection with the families, because some of the families are disconnected from the school system. Then there's them, those parents that are. We have IEPs. My daughter was on an IEP. She was at a um, charter school um, when she was in the fifth grade in private school in Dorchester, and it was, she didn't get her reevaluation on time, and they didn't do the review. So there's a lot of things that are slipping through the cracks, and even in the public schools. Let's our, we have great public schools, but we need to just get back mm -hmm. on where we used to be. Um, of course, there's a new superintendent now. Uh, uh, Mayor Wu appointed uh, uh, Superintendent uh, Skipper, uh, or Shipper, I'm, I'm sorry, I mispronounced that. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, do you, you know, is she the right person to be leading the schools? And do you uh, well, have confidence I, I, in her? I would hope so. I have to do a lot more <laughs> research to see where it goes. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we, we trust the teachers when our kids are in school. And they're in school most of the time more than they're at home. So we looked for professionalism and, you know, they're teaching our kids. And safety, safety's big. Even in the schools, you know, there's children get, being bullied. Enforce the bully pol bullying policy. Right. That has, that has kind of slipped away that kid, our kids are being bullied. And teachers are not addressing it enough. Right. Would you bring... Uh uh, there were there used to be school police. Do you remember that? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, would you bring uh, police back in the schools? Well, I would bring for safety purposes. Yeah. We just need some more. Um, I don't know if you remember the show Lean on Me when me yes. Joe oh, Clark, yeah. mean oh, Joe mean. Clark came oh, yeah. in the school and everybody was scared of Joe Clark. Yeah. Something like that. You need just a strong, some strong people in the school that are not going yes. to, you know take what some of the kids are doing and saying to the teachers, you know, disrespect. Right. We need just some more authority right. in the school. Stronger leadership. Right, um, definitely. Now, of course, uh, the contours of District 3 changed, as you're aware. Um, there was an original map and then there was a redrawn map. Mm -hmm. Did that affect you at all in well, terms it didn't... of your, your decision to run? And uh, does it change how uh, you're running your campaign? Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a bigger, <laughs> it's a lot larger than what it was. Yeah. It, it is different. Um, I'm still in the same area right. uh, that I was, you know, as far as District 3. Mm -hmm. My, it didn't change for me. Right. I was you already were, you there. Were gonna, you were going to be there. I was already in District 3 prior, although there are some when they redistrict mm -hmm. yeah. that came over from another district, some of the one or two councils or what have you, or people, um, that made it different. So... I still would have ran. How do I feel about the difference in how it, it, yeah. it kind of um, 
it, the way it was set for others, it, it, it was concerning, I right. could say. It was really concerning. Well, it was... <clears throat> not to say too much. A majority <laughs> of the uh, voters and population of people of color, it still is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's considered an opportunity district uh, in that sense because it has been uh, represented by Frank Baker, white male, okay. as you know. Uh, but now, I sure got a lot of company in this race. Uh, seven candidates yes. in total. What sets you apart from them? And uh, help uh, our viewers that uh, are voting on September 11th to understand uh, well, what, what you're about. What sets me apart is everything that I stand for, from education, senior services, mental health, housing, community engagement, and community op opportunity is definitely personal to me because like I said, I doubt you cannot tell somebody, talk to somebody about being hungry if you've never been, if, about hunger if you've never been hungry. Right. So being a person that went through or experienced homelessness or almost lost my house towards even myself in a divorce, I can relate to, on my mother being homeless, to those on Mass and Cass. I can relate, and me being an advocate in the community, I am on the trauma team. I see these um, people, I have seen these people that have got gunned down in the community. We get the alerts, I'm out there. Mm -hmm. I see that. I'm in the community. I'm not sitting in City Hall behind the desk right now. So whatever I'm doing now, if I do get <coughs> elected, or I say when I get elected, yeah. however, I'll, let me <laughs> speak it into existence, um, I'm going to still be in the community. We don't see the city council as in the community until it's time to vote. I'm, I've always been there, I'm a community organizer. Mental health, our children, we're losing our kids to mental health to the streets because even having more mental health facilities not just going to the hospital. People don't want to go to the hospital. Have them in the communities, the drop-in centers, the community centers. Have the space for these youth that come for after-school programs. Um, and saying that, it is personal, all of that to me, because I've either been through it or have somebody that knows about it in my family or friends that I can talk about. So to answer your question, I'm a problem solver. I'm a fighter. I am one that I'm not going to say I'm going to do something and don't do it. Everyone is equal. Their voices need to be heard. And when you're in city council from these people, there may be the people that are here and they know how to get to where they need to be. But what about the people that don't know? Let's show them. Let's teach them. Let's educate and give resources. And I'm very resourceful. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, uh, just a minute left, uh, and uh, uh, how are you, of course, the way the municipal election system works, and this is uh, District 3, the top two finishers go on to the November mm -hmm. election. How does uh, Rosalind Warnham uh, become one of those top two? What's the key to you uh, at least uh, succeeding at this level? I've been knocking doors. My team has been knocking doors. Um, a lot of people say it's if you look in the newspaper, it's the money. You need all this money, thousand. I don't have those endorsements that some of the people do. You know, it's who you know getting the money, and the, you know, I don't have that. That, <laughs> but 
what we do is knock doors and meet the people and talk to the people, see what the people are needing, see what they're asking. With, and this is what I've been doing for the past 20, 25 years. It's not new to me. I've been doing this. And I just say a reconnection to District 3 is a new direction. And that's right, where I'm at. Just continue talking. Again, uh, Rosalind Warnham is a candidate running for District 3 City Council. That's the seat uh, that Frank Baker currently holds. And he uh, is not running for re-election. In all, there's seven candidates running. Huh? And Rosalind Warnham is uh, one of them. And uh, here tonight on Talk of the Neighborhoods, I want to wish you the best of luck. Thanks so much for coming in and joining Thank us. You. Thank you for your yeah. time. I appreciate it. When we it. come back, uh, we'll hear from a candidate running in District 5. That's also a, a contested, heavily contested seat. Uh, that includes uh, uh, Hyde Park, Roslindale, and parts of Mattapan. When we return, stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're back with more of Talking the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host. Tonight, more election 2023 coverage. Of course, uh, the preliminary election for city council seats is coming up on September 12th, right? Not long after uh, Labor Day. And uh, there is uh, at least four district races. There's nothing at large, but there's four uh, district races, including uh, District 5, which is uh, 
district currently represented by Ricardo Arroyo, and that district includes uh, uh, most of Hyde Park, uh, most of uh, Roslindale, part of Mattapan, and uh, I'm pleased to have joining us in this segment one of those running in that race. There's, uh, I believe, four candidates total, including uh, my guest in this uh, segment, Jean-Claude Sinan. He has run before for this seat and uh, has taken another run at this time. Nice to have you here, Jean-Claude. Pleasure to be thanks, here with you, John. Thanks so much for coming right. in. And I was going to say, one of the uh, founders of uh, Telecreole, which has been a long-running program here yeah. on BNN, uh, I think it might even outdate me. I'm not yes, sure. Yes, 1985 uh, was yeah, the year. I was going to say. <laughs> I, I remember going way back. Anyway, welcome. Um, what made you decide to run again this time? Uh, now, Ricardo Arroyo has uh, become somewhat of a controversial figure in many regards, but uh, it's tough to run against an incumbent. Uh, nonetheless, you're in it. Not when the incumbent decided to leave us. Because the minute that I believe that the incumbents ran for the DA's position, that means he was no more interested in the position. That That's he where his in. interests lied more there than in city council. Exactly, exactly, and those are the, those are the main reasons. So ever since that, he had made the move. I made up my mind. I said I was going to, and this is why I'm the first one. Right. Really to announce. Put, yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. I, I remember. Um, for those who not, might not be familiar with you, tell tell people about yourself and uh, why you think you're qualified to be the next city councilor from District 5? Well, number one, a community leader who has been very consistent and who has worked uh, within the whole entire district. I'm the only one who's lived in Manapin High Park with Villain Rosendale. Uh, I have built businesses in there. I have created a family in there, uh, although no longer little kids anymore. Uh, I am also part owner of a radio program, which is Radio Concord. Uh, I've done televisions and radio, informing and educating the community. I have been a civic organizer for the longest, turning a lot of the people within that district into citizenry, uh, getting them to really participate into politics, mm -hmm. helping elect quite a few people within the past 30 years. And I definitely have a gut wrench one day I tell them you are all the same. I wanted to prove them that somebody can be different, and I'm that one. Now, you last ran uh, in what year was that? 2019. 2019. Yes, that, I, just, the pandemic has us all uh, a little blurry. And uh, as I remember, you did you did quite well. And, I and came in third. Yes. Came in third, but right. uh, uh, you know this is a, a, a tough district, a changing district. Yeah, you know, for many years this was represented once by former Mayor Tom Menino was once city councilor, and of course uh, uh, since then, uh, uh, you know, a, a couple of other uh, you know uh, Irish and Italian guys, but uh, no longer. It's now largely a uh, community of color, or the majority at least. I think it's fair to say, and. Uh, how has that changed how candidates such as yourself uh, uh, campaign for this seat? Well, we just do grassroots. That's, that's all that we do. I am not funded by any dark money or any uh, special interest group mm -hmm. or anything like that. Uh, I am a people's leader, and I have worked a grassroots campaign with, uh, with what I have. Uh, 
I don't have a, a, a big crew that's really doing the job. I don't have no union that's really endorsing or anything like that. But I'm, all, I'm the only leader that's also on the field on a daily basis. From earth, sunrise to sundown, I'm out there. So people see who's working hard. They see that I am committed. And they see that I really have a vested interest in this. And they will finally elect a leader that will defend their interest, not the interest of others, because I don't have no string attached to anyone. I'm not being supported or endorsed by uh, any big wigs at all out there. Well, what so. about that? I saw that uh, this week uh, Mayor Wu mm. endorsed one of the candidates in running in the race. Uh, were you surprised by that? Never, uh, huh? never, never. Never been surprised. Huh? I was shocked in 2019, and I'm shocked again today. But, you know, listen, you got to take it with a grain of salt. But again, it's not the decision of the mayor. It's not the decision of any other interest group. It's going to be the final decision of the people. They'll choose the person that will really represent them, and I'm that person. Well, what's your strategy? I don't know. I know you're not going to tell me all your, uh, your secrets, but what's the key in your mind? You just need to finish in the top two in the September 12th prelim uh, to go on to the final in November. What's, yeah. the, what's the key? And uh, because of, uh, you know, uh, Councilor Arroyo's issues, let's just say, uh, who's your chief competition? Is it still him or is it one of the other candidates that are running? Well, I'm assuming an incumbent is always the chief. There yeah. is no doubt about it at all. Uh, but however, our strategy is on the grassroots movement. We are knocking on doors. We are meeting people on a daily basis. We are also informing them that this would probably a chance of history to make the first black man city council in District 5 mm -hmm. because there hasn't been any at all as far as I'm right. concerned. So uh, I know I'm going to represent everyone. Once you mention the issue of a black man, I know people would have a tendency to think, ah, He's only going to work for them. That's not true. There's 80,000 some odd constituents that you have to serve. And I intend to serve them all. And I intend to work with all of them. I'm not going to come in there with somebody who has a total ego and in none of that. I will be the servant of the people. I will work with them and achieve their goals, not mine. Well, of course, uh, that uh, district... I think there were some changes uh, they, with the redistricting uh, map. There were some uh, they fidget, almost, they fidgeting. They almost eliminating me out of it. Really? They almost. So I had That's to what fight. I wanted to ask I you had, about that. I had to fight for that uh, to really stay in so that I can run this, this election. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it goes to show you that some people are scared of me being in this race. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why. I'm just a community guy. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll tell you one thing, though. I have a love for these people. I intend to give them the real representations because I don't think they have had it. Well, of course, uh, like I said, it's, uh, it's uh, not that it's all about identity politics, but uh, uh, it's three uh, 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 you know, Hispanic uh, candidates, uh, Jose Ruiz, uh, uh, Mr. Pepin, and of course, uh, Councilor Arroyo. Does that give you an advantage? There's also not that it's... A, Again, there, but there is a sizable uh, Haitian-American population in that district, correct? And I'm praying to God that they took their destiny at hand yeah. because they have been marginalized for the longest, yeah. and I think they really need a good and a real representation. And I'll be there for them and for everyone uh, because there are folks out there who are just fed up.
with what's going on. They want uh, a new era of leadership mm -hmm. at City Hall, and I intend to bring that. Well, uh, you know, Councilor Arroyo was, uh, of course, he was here, uh, it's been a few months ago now, but uh, explaining at that time some of the uh, uh, questions surrounding when he ran for DA, you know, what uh, was said and uh, what was true, what wasn't true. He said, you know, the accusations that were leveled against him were not true. And, and of course, there were never any charges filed against him. But, you know, since then, uh, of course, there was the uh, controversy surrounding uh, uh, U.S. Attorney Rachel Rollins, uh, who uh, apparently surreptitiously attempted to assist him in his run for uh, Suffolk DA. And also, uh, I believe the Ethics Commission fined him for uh, uh, representing his brother in a, in a case uh, uh, that was uh, involving the city of Boston and, and some, uh, some would say, conflict of interest. <laughs> <laughs> um, has, that, has that damaged him enough? I mean, you're talking to people out there on the street every day. Are they aware of that? And how, mu how, much, how much has that affected uh, his standing in the community? Folks are well aware of it. Uh, I don't think the media is holding anything back. Not only that folks are well aware of it, but also uh, they are talking about it, so which they are. Uh, I don't intend to knock a man down when he's already on his knees. That is not mm -hmm. proper politics for me as far yeah. as I'm concerned. So the people with the judge at the end. Uh, if they really want some real representation, somebody who's going to be there for them, and uh, not as a phantom, but somebody who's really going to work with them, I intend to be on that district and getting to be even better known than the way that I am today because I want to lend an ear to everyone and try to solve the problem with everyone. What do you see as the, uh, the major issues then, if not uh, uh, his uh, character? Uh, what do you see as the major issues in that race that will... Uh, determine to a large extent how people vote there? Well, I think that there's, there's three strikes already, so there's no issues about it. But however, uh, what I'm hearing uh, on the ground is that we don't see him. Uh, some of the policies are not really benefiting what the people are really in need of. Uh, I don't think you can just simply be a progressive. I think you got to be able to serve everyone and not catering to a specific mm -hmm. group only. And those are the, the, the things that I'm hearing. And, and I intend to operate differently and really serve the folks the way they should. Well, be. you know, there's some people uh, that say that, uh, you know, the city council has uh, uh, become a toxic environment, that there's a uh, all these, uh, you know, uh, kind of charges and counter charges, and, and we're not talking criminal charges, just, uh, you know, allegations of uh, whether it be racism or, uh, you know, religion or what have you. Uh, and some would say, well, why would you want to be a part of that? And uh, what do you say to people that say that? I mean, I'm sure you've, you've heard that too, haven't you? I have heard it, and I intend to go in there with a clean-minded, uh, this is what we give you, and this is the work that we want you to do. Not concentrating into any other things, because I'm there to do the people's business, not my business. Uh, so therefore, I think I'm going to be going in there with a clear mind, 
uh, trying to get everything done, uh, should I say, uh, the, the word that I'm looking for, courteously, uh, as mannerisms as possible, mm -hmm. and don't display the wrong attitude so that the public will not treat, I mean, think of all of us as the same. Mm -hmm. So I'll be the voice of reasons and somebody who want to work with everybody and collaborate with everybody, and at the end of the day, making sure that people are happy with what we're doing. Again, uh, Jean-Claude Sénan is uh, one of four candidates running for the District 5 City Council seat. That uh, includes uh, uh, Rosendale, Hyde Park, and uh, a good chunk of uh, Mattapan as well, where uh, Mr. Sénan lives. And of course, uh, the preliminary election, which will narrow that field to the top two, is this coming September 12th. And, uh, I, you know, when, when we talk about uh, District 5, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of attention has been given to, uh, like, uh, what's going on at the Mass and Cass with the uh, homeless down there. Uh, that's quite a ways from your district. Yes. Is that, uh, has some of that uh, kind of translated? Are, are those I, I, I same kinds of issues? I, I, I do believe it's impacted because if we're looking at Manapin Square nowadays, it almost has the image of MMCAS mm -hmm. to, to a certain extent. And, you know, it's, it, it's just mind-boggling looking at it on a daily basis mm -hmm. and not being able to do anything about it right now. But hopefully, I think I'd love to see the beautifications of Manapin Square to be somewhat similar to Rosie and as well as High mm -hmm. Park because uh, we need to bring pride into the peoples and also be able to at least to help them getting uh, to navigate properly into mm -hmm. the community so that they can really portray a different image. So there is work to be done and Madagascan Square is suffering a lot uh, to the extent that I would make this comparison. Uh, and I uh, need some attention. Again, we've got just a few minutes left with uh, uh, Mr. Senan. And uh, uh, when you, what's, so we're coming up on September 12th. This is the dog days, of course, you know. Are you seeing people? Are they there? Or are you, uh, are a lot of them out of town? Are, are you able to connect with them? I am able to connect with them because I've always been on the ground. I am able to talk to uh, those that I've seen. Uh, most importantly, uh, there's an early voting also that starts right. on Absolutely. Saturday and Sunday. Right. Uh, I'm going to be out there and really knocking on doors and really making the phone calls and encouraging people to really go out and vote because the anticipation is that we are not coming out. Yeah. We're going to stay in our you know, homes and so on and so yeah. forth. I want to prove them wrong because I did it before in 2008 when Manapin was very low in terms of turning out to vote, and I increased it by 13% with mass vote. That was an accomplishment under my belt in 2008. I intended to continue increasing the participation because it's the lack of the participation of the people right. that allows uh, other groups, uh, other interest groups to really believe that they can tell us what to do, who should we vote for, and so on and so forth. The decisions in the hand of the people, I intended to boost mm -hmm. them up and to really get them out on that day and to really make a difference. Well, uh, and lastly, I, I got to ask you about, of course, uh, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the uh, the mayor endorsed uh, one of your opponents in this race. But 
If you are elected, can you work with uh, Mayor Wu? Do you think she's been doing a good job? Do you like the direction she's taking the city in? I, I will work with everyone. Uh, that also includes the mayor. I will work with the city council, mm -hmm. uh, with the city councilors, and, and really trying to, to be uh, in the defense of District 5. The entrance of District 5, I'm very concerned mm -hmm. with it. I want to make sure that as... She would be one of your constituents, right? Well, <laughs> yes, she Is would be. Is that correct? She yeah? She would be. Yeah? She would certainly be. Uh, you know, I have helped getting the mayor into office, uh -huh. okay? Uh, she's a friend. She's not an enemy, so therefore we would certainly collaborating to really turn District 5 the mm -hmm. way it should be, and I intended to fight for that. Well, and if Jean-Claude de Sinan is elected, what's the one thing you, you want to make sure happens in your first term in office? Uh, the crisis of housing. Yeah. The displacement. Uh, the violence. Yeah. A lot of people uh, being forced out. Uh, this is, I mean, outrageous. Yeah. Outrageous. And, and, and we're turning more people into homeless more than anything else. So I definitely want to see yeah. some changes being made in that end. Now, the mayor you know, wants uh, rent control. Would you favor uh, rent control if you were in there? I would favor rent control, but also I want to understand the landlords also situations because it's, a, you know, it's, it, it is, you just don't come up with the solutions for one group and not considering the others. So, you know, there has to be some serious talk being done. People need to understand that. Folks cannot stay out there like this. Right. Well, of course, uh, uh, that proposal, it's a home rule petition, is before the legislature, and uh, they, have not, they have not acted on it yet, and uh, who knows whether they will for sure or not. But uh, uh, we want to wish you the best of luck. Uh, again, uh, Jean-Claude Senan uh, is making a second run for the District 5 City Council seat. That includes uh, all of Hyde Park, uh, most of Rosendale, mm -hmm. and a good chunk of Mattapan. You can see it there on the map, um, even if you can't quite see uh, all the streets. But um, uh, it's a large district, a lot of work. Uh, it's a lot of work. And if they give me a chance, I promise them I'll make a difference. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Thanks very much so much for coming in and joining us. A pleasure. Uh, you're watching Talk to the Neighborhoods here on the Boston Neighborhood Network. We're here tonight and every Thursday night at the same time. We'll be back next week with more election 2023 coverage. Until then, for the entire staff and crew here at the Boston Neighborhood Network and WBCA uh, FM Radio, our sister station, 102.9 FM. Thank you for watching and listening. Have a pleasant evening. Good night. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street.
Boston, Mass., 02119. Attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.